You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, my church family, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. Hey, if we haven't met, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us as we wrap up a series called Wait, What?, now, here's why we're calling it that. If, if, you're, if you're brand new to the church, welcome. If, if you've forgotten, if you maybe got a blow to the head this week and forgot everything from the previous ones, let me just recap. Here's why we're calling this series this. So, wait what is a phrase that we use in life when we are confronted by information that our minds are not ready for. Like something happens and it just seems so unbelievable that we just take a second, wait, what? So, for instance, you know, like we, we find out, maybe, I don't even know if Publishers Clearinghouse is still a thing, but, you know, like, imagine Ed McMahon shows up at your front step, which would be shocking because I think he's dead. But, like, okay, imagine Ed McMahon shows up with this giant check, and, and you saw the resurrected Ed McMahon with balloons, and he, and he shows up, here's your money, you go, wait, what? I mean, that's just, that's, that's shocking, bizarre, good, kind of, maybe, News, but it's not just good news. Maybe like you find out, oh, hey, listen, your your kid has been expelled from school. And you're like, wait, what? Or you find out that your 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 pet got a driver's license, stole a truck, and drove to Nevada. You would go, wait, what? Like it's one of these things where okay, what confronts you? Your mind is not ready for, true or not. And so well, the reason that we're calling this series Wait What is because we're dealing with a true teaching of Jesus that his original hearers were not ready for. And spoiler alert, as we're going to see today, it ends with them deciding not to be Jesus followers. Now, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open up to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. John 6, you can open it. If you're on our online campus, open it on the YouVersion Bible tab. If you have a physical Bible, God bless you. Open it to John 6. We have managed as a species this long to use books. We will not quit today. So here's what you need to know going in, into the, the, the teaching. So Jesus has this moment where there are all these people that he does a miracle for. Maybe you've heard of the miracles. Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Okay? What Jesus does is he, he provides this feast for 5,000 plus people. He supernaturally provides fish and bread to feed all these people. But here's what happens next. Okay? What happens next is the people who get this free meal decide to track Jesus down and, you know, pursue him, not in hopes of, well, like, what are you all about? Why would God give you this miracle? But, hey, free food we want in. And so what Jesus does is he confronts them. He's like, guys, you, only, you don't care about me. You just care that you got your fill. And they're convicted by it. And so what they do is this. They go, all right, well, like, what does God want from us? And Jesus goes, well, what God wants is you to believe in me. Like Jesus, I mean, the whole entire setup for this story is he goes, listen, like, you guys are after earthly physical food, but I'm your spiritual nourishment. Just like, okay, your ancestors, they, like God provided for them in the wilderness with this food, like supernatural bread called manna. Okay, I'm God's provision for you. I'm the way that God will make you right with himself. And so Jesus says, listen, partake of me. Partake of what I'm doing for you. And we recognize that as Jesus' blood being shed for us, him dying on the cross for us and rising from the dead for us as the thing that makes us right with God. It's not about our religious efforts. It's not about us reaching benchmarks or performing. No, it's about what Jesus has done. Jesus is enough. 
that's the context. And so here's what Jesus says, uh, just a little bit of a recap from last week in John 6, 56. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And he's, and he's being allegorical here, as we talked about last week, how this idea of, listen, be sustained by me. But he's using really heavy, confusing words. So he says, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So Jesus goes, listen, partake of me. And what they hear is, hey, this guy wants us to like eat his body. He wants maybe to like, cut off some chunks and feed him to us, and they're freaked out as I think any of us would be. So they go, wait, what? Like, and, but then he kind of explains, listen, I'm God's provision. I'm what God is, is providing to sustain your soul, but that's too big of an ask. Like for, for these group of people who they've been Jewish their entire lives, it's been about keeping the Jewish law, and it's been about like doing these things to be accepted by God, and Jesus suddenly comes along and says, you can't earn acceptance from God. It's all on me. And so with that, here's what happens, and this is what we're going to jump in today. Starting in verse 60, it says this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they come on, wait, what? But here's the cool thing. Verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> like, like, guys, that throws you off? And so then he says this, okay. He says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Me, okay, like, guys, if me suggesting that I am God's way to you is the thing that offends you, what will you do if I'm actually revealed in my glory to you? And this is actually what we see in, in the sort of bigger picture of the Gospels, right? That essentially... Later on, when Jesus talks about being ascended to heaven, that happens. Like, you can find uh, the, the gospel writer Luke write about this in uh, the book of Acts. Talks about how Jesus rises up into heaven. But it's a very small group of people who are there when that happens. And here's why. Because what we're going to see is just because someone is given the truth of Jesus doesn't mean that they're going to respond to it favorably. It's kind of like this. Um, a movie that I, I, I watch every now and then, usually at Christmas time, is the old cinematic classic Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I, I, since I've been a kid, I've loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I, I want to swim in that river of chocolate. I want to, like, the idea of just all, I love chocolate. Like, I love sweets. That's why I'm wearing black today, to cover up how much I love sweets. But it's one of those things where kind of, like, I just, I watch it. And here's the crazy thing about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I don't know if you ever thought about it. But Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is essentially a horror movie disguised for kids. I mean, it really is, because throughout the entire movie, you're essentially watching kids being picked off one by one, and you know it's coming, right? Like, the whole movie, you know, like, so you're watching, you're like, okay, here's Augustus, oh, he's, I, I know, oh, man, the little boy, he's going to go right to the river, and he's gone, and there goes Augustus, right? And you've got, like, what's the kid's name, Mike TV, right, who's all about TV, and he's a little annoying, bright, shooting the cab guns, right? You know something bad's going to happen to Mike. You've got Violet, who's the brat, right? And he, you know Violet's going to turn Violet, Violet, like, you know it's going to happen just one by one. They're going to be eliminated. 
All of them are given the promise of lifelong chocolate. All of them are given the promise of this amazing thing that they could have. But you're going to watch as different reasons lead each of them not to be able to lay a hold of it. Transition. Here's what that means right here, okay? What you're going to find in this story and even going forward in John, you're going to see person after person who's given the opportunity of life with Jesus. And for reasons that are their own, they fall away. So that when we get to that ascension that Jesus is mentioning in Luke, very few people are there. I mean, in this chapter, it's going to be some disciples who, are, who, are, who just say, listen, what you're asking is too much for us to believe. In the very next chapter, and we're not going to go into that today, but you'll find his own siblings not believing in him. And then you'll find people who would be potential Jesus followers who, because they're afraid of what religious leaders might say or do to them, decide, mm, I'm out. And this is what I want you just to understand from the outset. Okay, listen, there is a cost to this. And on top of that, okay, on top of that, just because you're given the information doesn't mean that you will respond to it. And now we're going to see why some do and some don't. And so in verse 63, here's what Jesus says, okay? So he says, something like, this is offend you. And he says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And here's what he means. It seems kind of like vague. Here's what he's getting at, okay? So he says, like, some of you believe, some don't. Here's why. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Meaning, you and I do not have the ability to understand and lay hold of the teachings of Christ without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would say that faith is not an accident. Only the Spirit gives life. Like, you can't believe unless God wants you to believe. You can't have, like, sort of this understanding of, like, like these crazy hard things that Jesus is saying, or even to believe them, unless God is working that in your heart. So, like, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing, because, listen, you can't, like, like you within you cannot make that happen. So look, look at the verse again, okay? Uh, John 6, 63. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And he goes, so look, guys, the words that I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. I mean, okay, the stuff that I'm saying is supernatural. It's not just a guy getting on a platform and, and you know, deciding to teach something and having people have sort of aha moments. No, no, the words that Jesus would say, the words that I'm saying right now are only going to be received by what the Holy Spirit is doing in someone. And we find this now. Look, man, one of my, one of my uh, mentors, a uh, guy I consider a spiritual father, Pastor Bill Sammons, he tells a story of after uh, he got saved. You know, he was a Christian most of his life, involved in church as he went to adulthood and, and later on. But he didn't know Jesus. And, 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 uh, and later on, you know, he got saved. And he said the first time that he read his Bible after, he opened up his Bible and he went, man, somebody messed with my Bible. And it was as though the words that he was reading right there like, began to resonate with him in a way that they hadn't before. It's why, listen, I mean, if I could just sound uh, offensive for a moment here, it's why, listen, I'm just going to say it. I never have to argue the authenticity of Scripture with somebody who has the Holy Spirit in them. You know why? 
Because the Spirit gives life. Like they're the words of Jesus. And if he's in you, he'll testify to them. That's my experience as well. Listen, okay, I, I was raised in church. I got saved when I was 15. I had a Bible that I was given when I was a kid. It was just collecting dust on a shelf. I had no interest in it whatsoever. But after the Lord invaded my life, as I opened it, it was like someone was just jumping off the page to me as God was speaking to me through it. Why? Because the words are spirit and life, and you can't receive them aside from the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus, and he's going, guys, you shouldn't be surprised by this, okay? Like, it's the Spirit who brings us to life. And then he goes, and the negative is also true. So verse 64, okay, he says, yet there are some of you who do not believe. Meaning, you're all hearing the same thing. Like, guys, when it comes down to it, like, I'm not teaching anything to you that I'm not teaching to anybody else, okay? You're all hearing the same thing, but it's only God who brings those teachings to life inside of you. And, and, and we might go, well, who, who wouldn't believe seeing Jesus in person? A lot of people. Now, Jesus is referencing somebody specifically here. So at the end of verse 64, it says, For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them would betray him. Okay, so meaning like he knew about Judas before, maybe Judas knew about Judas, but okay, and you think about that, like, okay, how does somebody stand around Christ, and how does somebody see Jesus walk on water, and how does somebody see Jesus raise the dead or heal the sick and go, that's a guy I want to betray? Well, here's how. Because the Holy Spirit didn't bring life within Judas, okay? Like the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh counts for Nothing. Um, let me say it this way, okay? If we're beginning to understand the teachings of Jesus here, okay, like why he can be so controversial and you find a group of people basically being divided. Some are all about him. Others are going, oh, no, thank you, away. Here's the thing. I, I just think it's, it's good for us to remember, like based on the precedent of, we're reading, of what we're reading right now, okay? And if you're taking notes, write this down. Unbelief is, ex- is to be expected apart from a miracle. Let me say that again. Unbelief is to be expected apart from a miracle. It is a miracle of God that you get saved. It is a miracle of God that he creates any kind of, like, turnaround, any kind of fruit within your heart. Like, that is God and God alone. And so, listen, if God isn't intervening and bringing illumination and bringing life into that situation, unbelief is just what should be expected. Now, here's why I'm going to just take a minute on this, okay? Because right now... we've kind of drifted into this place of believing that the thing that creates life is strategy. Like, like just within the family of God. Like, when it comes down to life change, people responding to the gospel, the thing that we place all of our eggs, like, like, in in the basket of is simply this. We believe if we could just do things well enough, life would change. People's hearts would change. And so we'll parse it different ways. Some people, they say, listen, if we could just legislate well enough and just create the the right rules and get the right leaders in place, then hearts would change. No, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Other people, they, they place their confidence in church programs. And so what they do is they go, hey, listen, if we could just get the gospel communicated well enough, right? If we could just argue the point well enough, if we could just get the most entertaining speaker, most entertaining service, if we could just put all these ducks in a row, and I'm not against strategy. What I'm against is placing my hope in strategy. All right, because what Jesus says is, look, it's only the Holy Spirit. It's why, look, um, right now, where are we as a country? 
I mean, my gosh, what number riot is it this summer that's happening right now? Like, have you lost count? Because I, I, I don't remember how many times it's happening. If people are, are taking the streets, torching, people shooting each other back and forth, all right? And yet people like, but how many, okay, brothers and sisters in the Lord, they look at situations like this. They look at a situation that reeks of people not knowing God, and then they're shocked when they act like it. All right, same way, like, when it comes to the morality of our country, whether that be sexually, whether that be, like, in terms of social justice, whether that be, like, any kind of, this is what people should live like. They look at a generation that has, up until now, like, for so long been fed this version of Christianity that's about conformity to a church or a moral ethic, which cannot provide because only the Spirit gives life. They look at these things, and they see this generation that's rejecting all of it, and then they're shocked when people who they would say are going to hell live like it. Now, let me be clear here. You can't expect heart change outside of the Spirit of God invading the heart. And it has nothing to do with how well you argue it. It has nothing to do with how great you craft the religious thing that you're working on. It's all about Jesus. I see this happen all the time in the life of our church. Look, man. Let me own this. Um, so I work really hard on my talks. I do. Just If you're curious, I do. All right? And some weeks, if I'm just being transparent, even though I want to be super spiritual and just be like, you know what, like I'm so divinely blessed to be used by the Lord in speaking and what a privilege. Okay, I believe that to an extent. But I'm just going to be honest. There are some talks I like more than others. Like, if you're curious, there are some weeks I get off the stage and I'm like, dang, man, okay, I got to say that. That's, pre- that's pretty good, all right? And there are other weeks where I get off the stage and I'm like, well, I don't think I'm going to get fired this week, but it uh, wasn't the best thing I've ever done. If I'm being transparent with you, last week was one of those talks. Last week was one of those talks where I finished it and I was like, uh, not the greatest God. I pray that you don't end our church this week, all right? But what happened last week? Two people got saved. Why? Was it because Bert preached his best? Nope. I know I didn't. I, 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 know, I, I know what I can do. That I, I, no, not at all. What was it? It was the Spirit of God bringing life. The flesh counts for nothing. It's what God does. It's why, look, man, throughout, throughout movements of God in history, you find it very rarely rests on the charisma of the man or woman of God. I was having a conversation with, with a preacher friend even this morning. We're talking about Billy Graham. I mean, like, Billy Graham, the, the greatest evangelist ever. I mean, like, most effective. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's going to say, yeah, like, anyone else led that many people to the Lord as, as Billy Graham. He, we were talking about this, but man, like, if you watch Billy Graham sermons, not that great. Like, as far as, like, how you write sermons, like, eh. Okay, but what happens? God's all about it. God uses it like crazy. Same way, like, you, you could go into American history, read about the Great, uh, the great Awakening and, and a preacher named Jonathan Edwards, a guy that God used to bring America back to Jesus. You read about any, I mean, all accounts of John, or Jonathan Edwards' preaching is insane because the man basically would stand at a pulpit. He had his entire sermon, like, written out in manuscript. He would just read it monotone. Like, that's, like, so today we thank uh, the Lord for being here today. But what happened? People, like, were so, like, just 
impacted by the spirit of God, they'd fall over, they'd scream, they'd wail, they'd cry. You find stories of like a guy like just being so confronted by the presence of God during this service that he he went into the church like a, a drunken wife beater, got up, never laid a hand on his wife again, never touched alcohol again. Like, but but it wasn't from the preacher's charisma. What was it? It was the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Okay. Now the 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 application of this I gave last week, but I'm just going to reiterate right now because here's what this means for you, okay? Like, what do you do with this information? Well, you can rest in a little bit of assurance because it means simply this. Your faith is not an accident. It comes from God intentionally desiring you. Your faith didn't come from you sort of working things out and being like, okay, well, I'm going to put this component in this place and that. Okay, I'm just going to rationally conclude that Jesus is Lord. Although certainly you can rationally conclude such things. But the reason that that faith locks hold in your heart and goes from an idea to a experiential knowledge like that you begin to walk in relationship with God is because God produced that result. Your faith's not an accident. You couldn't believe unless God wanted you to. It didn't come from you. God did it. And so here's, the, here's, here's the, the obvious alternative. Okay, so if we're believing that, if we're going, okay, well, listen, that faith isn't an action. It's something that God, like, proactively does. Well, then hold on. And our minds are going to go there. What we're going to do is we're going to go, okay, but then what about people who don't have faith? Right? Like, are, are you saying, okay, if somebody doesn't believe, then what that means is that God doesn't love them or that God doesn't care about them? Are you essentially saying that God is indifferent towards them? I mean, like, our minds have to go there. And it's almost as though John, as he's reflecting on what Jesus did in this moment, he anticipates that question, and he anticipates that blowback. So let's see what happens, okay? So back into John uh, 6, look at verse, huh, John 6, 6, 6. How about that? All right. From this time, it says, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. We're done. And now I want you to look into the heart of God in Jesus' response. Verse 67. So Jesus sees all these people forsaking. He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And it reveals his heart right here. It reveals this truth that, like, that mattered and that's such a vulnerable question. Like, I used to, before I ever led anybody, I used to read passages like this, and I had this belief, because, like, and I think I've, I've even said in the past before, like, man, Jesus had no problem dismissing crowds. And Jesus didn't care. Like, man, if, if, if you didn't want to walk with Jesus, he didn't care. He'd kick you to the curb, because he, he was so secure. None of that ever bothered him. But you know the thing I've learned? Um, I've learned that if you love someone, it can and should bother you if they walk away. That's not being selfish. That's not, that's not knocking anybody. But look, like, if you care about somebody, like, it should stir you to your bones. And the longer I, I work with and lead people, I understand how heartbreaking this is. Because I, I lose people, too. I, I, I get it. And we find this moment, like, Jesus' heart, I mean, it's, it's such a vulnerable, tender question, okay? He watches all these people go away. Sometimes we think of Jesus as just indifferent, Right? Like on a throne, like nothing phases him. But let me just remind you, like there's a story uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, where there's a rich young ruler that Jesus like gives a question that's so hard the guy walks away. But Mark records, like Jesus looked at this guy and he loved him. 
So Jesus is never just dismissing people for the sake of dismissing them callously. No, 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 no. And we know that, okay, like, when it comes to the grand scope of life, Jesus knows about it. Like, he knows they're not going to leave. Like, I mean, like, flash forward to verse 70, and you'll see Jesus be like, listen, I chose you guys. Okay, cool. Awesome. But in this moment, we see his heart. Like, hey, he's not okay with them going. And he loves them enough he'll give them the choice. He's not going to make them do anything, but let's not for a second think that, that God somehow is callous towards those who turn their back on him. It's why in, in 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul writes this. He says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Hey, what's God's heart for humanity? Well, if you're a human, God wants you to be saved. He does. Okay, but does that mean that God doesn't get what he wants? Yeah. Yeah, and in his love, he allows that choice. Now, I want to just speak this for a moment, just a second longer, because there are some of you today, and you're watching, and come on, let's just, let's just own this for a second. You've got family members. Hey, hey, hey. You've got family members that you love with all your heart who you watch, and the, just the decisions in their life, and I've spoken with enough of you to know that this just happens a lot, okay? The decisions in their life break your heart, and you want nothing more than for them to begin to walk with Jesus. Because you know the better life that that would have for them. You know the hope. You know the peace. You know the joy. And so you're like, I just want that for them. And so, you, you know what I mean? You try to take every opportunity that you can to point them in that direction. But the, come on, you've got family members that just no thank you. And they just keep pushing you aside, keep pushing you aside. And you find yourself in your prayer life. You're like, like you're worried. And you're like, man, like does God even care? Like, is, is God going to save them? Like, what's he going to do? And, and I just want to tell you this. Okay, listen, God wants your family member to be saved more than you do. In fact, God loves your friend, your relative, your coworker, like your spouse. He loves them more than you do. And we see that revealed in the heart of Jesus right here. Okay. Even though he's just been spending all this time talking about like what God will and won't do and about like, faith isn't an accident, yet we see Jesus' heart in this moment going like broken. Guys, are, are, are you going to leave too? And I really, really like this moment, okay, because it's one of those tender times where typically as you read through the Gospels, you find the disciples, and they're just, come on, let's, let's just say, they're a bunch of knuckleheads, right? I mean, they just, Jesus' disciples, man, you, you read about Jesus' disciples, and you're like, man, I'm doing all right. You know, like they just, they say and do stupid things all the time. But the heart right here, this is something to be admired. And I, I can't read this story without just seeing Jesus having just a little bit of pride in him. And so, look, see, he says to him, like, are you guys going to leave too? And here's what Peter responds. So Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. You got to leave. Well, Jesus, where else will we go? There's nobody like you. What, what, what do you think we would do? You know, I, this is just true, man. I'm just going to tell you this about life. As, as you walk with the Lord more and more, I mean, you just see them just falling in love with Jesus more, right? Listen, you're the Holy One of God. 
Like you've got the words of life. You're going to find, okay, and it's not that God's going to always do things that you agree with, approve of, or are comfortable with. In fact, the longer that you walk with him, he's going to give you plenty of times where you get really nervous, hurt, scared, upset, and you just learn to trust him through those things. Um, but I got to tell you, like, after 20-plus years of walking with Jesus, you know what I've known? And what I've seen is that's, the more as I fellowship with the Holy Spirit and he brings more life inside of me and continues to form me to be more like him. I'm not perfect. He's working all kinds of things out in me. And same as he is in you. But I've learned, like, gosh, just, just to know him is to love him. Do you know what I mean? Like, like just, like, Lord, like, gosh, as I spend time with you, like, the more that I see about who you are, I just, I love you. Like, I, I, I'm so amazed by, like, your personality. I'm so amazed by, like, the types of things that you do in my life right now, in the past, and what I know you'll do in the future. I mean, really, just, like, to know him is to love him. Like, he's just, he's lovely. Like, he's, he is so worth being loved. And as you spend time with him, like, it just begins to, to birth out of you. You're like, oh, wow, like, I, I didn't know that God could be this good. I, I didn't know that he could love this much. And I, I didn't know that he could be so faithful and could do something. I would just like to know him is to love him. And then you're finding this in the lives of, of the 12 right now. They're going like, look, we're not going anywhere. We're with you because we know who you are. And to bring it full circle, Jesus takes that and he goes, yeah. And so it says in verse 70, then Jesus replied, well, have I not chosen you, the 12? I mean, guys, you're proving my point right now. He goes, yet one of you is a devil. Verse 71, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. So in that moment, exactly what Jesus has been saying to the crowd who have said, wait, what? And gone their separate ways. It's exemplified in the 12. And I, I, I want to just tell you this, Taylor, listen, okay, as we're being confronted by the reality of Jesus, okay, his lordship, that he really is the way to God, that he really died for your sin and mine, that he really rose from the dead, what's happening right now, even in this moment, is there's a great dividing taking place. There are those who are hearing this news, and life is just like joy is springing up in them, and they're going, yes, I want to be part of that. There are others who are hearing this news, and there's just something stirring in them, and they know it's true, but they're like, okay, do I, do, I, do, I, do I really lay hold of that? And I would just tell you, listen, okay, if that's stirring in you, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, you need to just like say yes, see what God does in your life, okay? Like, there's this great divine taking place between those who want to follow Jesus and those who don't, and it's coming from the activity of God. And I would just simply say this to you today, okay, for the one who's been striving, for the one who's been thirsty in life, for the one who's been trying to live for themselves, for the one who, okay, in this moment, I've been telling you about Jesus, okay, and you know he can satisfy your soul. Here's what I want to ask you today. Will you say yes? Will you say, okay, listen, all right, if you're really doing that on my behalf, okay, yes, I want you. Okay, I, I really believe you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. Yes and amen. Please, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Please fill me with those, let that, let that, those words of spirit and life spring to life within me. And for the one who right now, because let's just own this like behind the scenes, there's, there's, there's a spiritual battle taking place for your life. For the one who's staying back from God out of fear, here's what I want to tell you, okay? And for the one who, 
for the one who says, all right, God could never want me. You want to know how compassionate Jesus is? You want to know how much he wants you at his side? Let this just sink in for a moment. Jesus knew everything that Judas, who did way worse than you ever will, right? He knew everything that Judas was going to do and invited him to the table anyway. Now, if that's true for someone who is opposed to God overtly, like Judas, it's true for you who are feeling shame about your sin. Come on back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you because Jesus is the way. This doesn't rest on us. It never has. It rests on you. So, Lord, in this moment, we celebrate your activity in our lives. We, we celebrate because you will, like the one who began the work in us, will see it through to its completion. Lord, we celebrate because you have taken our place on the cross. You died for our sin. You rose from the dead. And now you give us new life, unhindered, unfiltered with you. We ask you this week, Lord, let us know you better. Because to know you is to love you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And look, church, before we log off real quick, okay, if what I've been talking about today resonated with you, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to come back after a while, I want you to do me a favor, okay? You see that button there? If you're on our online campus, it says, I commit my life to Christ. Go ahead and shoot your hand up right now if that's where you are, okay? Because, listen, you haven't finished the race. You've just started it, and we want to help you take your next steps. And so, listen, we've also created a special website for you. If you'd like to begin going forward in your relationship with Jesus, we invite you on over to our website, solidground.church slash first steps. There we got a bunch of free resources and videos we'd love to bless you with to help you go forward in your relationship with Jesus. Also, last thing, okay, if there's any way our church can be praying for you, if you're on the online campus right now, you can always shoot a prayer request in the window there, or throughout the week, you can email us, hello at solidground.church. Let us know how we can serve you. Do you have any needs? Like, what can we do for you during this time? Okay, we want to help. Now, church, all that said, we hope you have a great Labor Day and great rest of your Labor Day weekend. Bless you, and we will see you next week.